You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For Panther fans who want to keep pounding. For the ones who want an inside look at the vault. This is this 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 is views from Street. Now, here's your host, Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. What is up, Carolina Panthers fans? Welcome in to the next episode of Views from Mint Street, your only required Carolina Panthers podcast. There's a lot of good ones out there, ladies and gentlemen, but you picked the correct one. Welcome in. We are glad to have you with us as we recap the final preseason game of the year. Your Carolina Panthers step up and step out a 21-0 win over the Buffalo backups. We're going to get into that here in just a minute, but let's introduce our show, uh, ourselves, shall we? Of course we shall. My name is Rob Brown, host of the Rob Brown Show, based out of beautiful Greenville, South Carolina, and joining me, as always, the seductive stylings of the one and only co-host and executive producer, Mr. Lonzo Reitzel. We are glad to have you along for another ride. And let's go ahead and jump right in, ladies and gentlemen. Again, 21-0, your final score. A TD in the first, second, and third quarters. The first two of them contributed by Baker Mayfield on throws. The last one, of course, who else would it be but Sammy D, Sam Darnold, with the stiff-arm TD run to jam it in off the left-hand side. Those are three TDs. That all the difference. And we're going to get into the breakdown, some things that we picked out about this game over the next 42 minutes or so. But before we get into that, Lonzo, just your overall thoughts on Carolina being able to shut out Buffalo. It was the backups for the Bills, but a shutout at the NFL level, nonetheless, something that I assume Matt Rule and company are going to be very excited about. You know, that I think that's the word, excitement. Uh, so it, it's like when, you know, you're leaning in for that very first kiss and you don't know, you don't know if, if she's into it too, and then she is. It's that sort of thing. It's like walking out on stage for the very first time if you're in a band. It's it's like walking out on the field for the very first time. If, if you're playing football, that's what it felt like. It felt so exciting. Don't have to worry about, quarterback battle it's been decided we already knew that anyway but finally they decided to tell everybody that it is baker mayfield and he came out and uh looked like what we hoped he would look like commanding everything confidence swagger and i uh there's a quiet excitement around panther fans eventually everybody else is going to feel it too because there's something about this season they're not giving the Panthers a shot to do anything, and that's when you can have the most fun as a team. Yeah, I think excitement is the word, right? Like, And you said it a minute ago in our last episode before when we were previewing this game, I said, look, Baker has been good. 
He's been okay. And that's exactly what I wanted, right? Yeah, it'd have been nice for him to come out and excel, but I needed him to show me that he has a competence about the offense. Well, this weekend, he came out and he showed that he very much has a competence about it. And in some spots, especially after the interception turned into a very quick touchdown with short yardage, good field position, show me that he understands the offense and he does have a command over it. Now, he was 9 of 15, but he had a couple that hit hands and went to the turf, things that are going to be cleaned up once we get into a regular season rhythm, a regular season routine. 89 yards, a pair of touchdowns, no interceptions, did not take any sacks at all. All I wanted to see out of Baker in the preseason was that he has taken McAdoo's offense, he's put it in the old noggin, and he knows how to go out there and make the correct decisions. And going back and re-watching that game a couple of times after it happened, there wasn't really a spot to me, Lonzo, where it looked like Baker Mayfield was in over his depth. There wasn't really a spot to me that it looked like Baker Mayfield was incorrectly making reads or or making poor decisions or trying to do too much on his own, which when you got a guy who has a chip on his shoulder and as much as Baker might say, you know, I'm not a robot, but it's also not driving me. We know Baker. We've seen Baker's personality. If he's going to sit here and tell me there's not a chip on his shoulder, man, I don't believe you, Bake, with all due respect. But sometimes when a player has that chip on his shoulder, they might try to do too much. They might try to take over. They might try to go, I'm going to make this about me, about my vengeance. Now, obviously, that is going to be much different on September 11th when they take on the Cleveland Browns in the bank. And you wonder if that mentality changes. But Zoe, in this preseason game, really in the last two preseason games, but certainly in this one, after we became aware that Baker Mayfield is QB1, I didn't see that out of the guy. I saw a quarterback making the right reads, making the right decisions, staying out of trouble, getting the ball down the field, even if it meant checkdowns. Had a couple of big shots down the field that worked out, one or two that did not. I saw a guy who was taking command of the offense, and that's what I want to see out of BM6. So you talk about a chip on his shoulder. I hope he keeps that all year long. But his other shoulder, that other shoulder, that's the shoulder he had to keep looking over. He had to keep looking over. And there was uh, Sam Darnold right there over that shoulder. He doesn't have to look there anymore because the starting job is his. And I'm sure he had confidence the whole time when he came in that he was going to be the starter. But still in the back of your mind, there's Sam. And and there's there's a coach, coach rule saying that it was a competition. So when you finally don't have to worry about that other shoulder – and you're good. You can come out and take command and do what he did. Uh, man, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're spot on, right? Like, I-, I-, I agree with you. I got no doubt that Baker Mayfield showed up in Charlotte working under the assumption, as you and me and a lot of other folks did, that he was QB1. It was just a number of days until he got he got his coronation as QB1. But then we started having to ask the question, why aren't they naming him, naming him QB1? Why is he not QB1 yet? Why are we waiting not for the decision? Because I, 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 along with a handful of other big talking heads, think that that decision had been made a number of days before it was announced, but they were taking some time. We saw, I think David Newton from ESPN was one of the guys who said that the announcement came late because they wanted Baker to feel like he had to earn the job. I think that they wanted Darnold to feel like, okay, I do have a chance to take this job. 
I think they wanted the team not to have that, uh, the mentality that Baker was going to come in and it's like, okay, everybody listen to number six. Like he's the new guy because there is that cohesiveness and that chemistry that had been developed in the locker room through the off season leading up to the acquisition of Baker Mayfield right before camp. But you got to wonder whether Baker believed he was never really in doubt or not. When it came down to it, he had to consider, I think, all right, Sam Darnold is in my back pocket, right? There's a quarterback sitting right over my shoulder that I've got to consider the possibility that he could take over this spot. And he had to go out there and compete. And, and again, I think in the last preseason game, even though we only saw a series and a half effectively out of Baker, he did that. I think last night when they sent him out there for the first and a chunk of the second quarter, we saw that. But we also saw Sam Darnold come in, and while he wasn't necessarily as effective with the passes, Baker, he had a couple of big plays. I mean, I thought he executed that fake handoff before he took off on a QB sprint to the left and threw a nasty little stiff arm. I mean, talking Madden 2023 or right trigger amount of stiff arm. I thought Sam looked confident and competent. That, of course, obviously, before he went down with the what's being declared an ankle sprain. And we're going to get into that here in just a minute because there really are three injuries that came out of that game that could have an impact on week one. And we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But, you know, I, I think now that he knows he's QB one, now that he knows that Sam Darnold is holding the clipboard and there's no threat that he takes the job. I thought Baker Mayfield came out, frankly, Lonzo looked like a good, uh, looked like a guy who knew what the hell he was doing. And, and that's, that's what I needed out of preseason game. Number three. Now he's got two weeks to watch film, two more weeks to study books, uh, two more weeks to get prepared, and now you hope that you get the same Baker Mayfield stepping out against Cleveland in week one. You know, something else you got to keep in mind, you talked about how he's playing Buffaloes, twos, and threes, but at the same time, the starting receivers for the Carolina Panthers were not out there. So he was he was playing with not really, I mean, not really backups, but, but guys who are going to get some playing time, and they all look good. They did. Um, and we're going to talk more about about Shy Smith and what kind of season we think he's going to have because we uh, said his praises last week and, and it's only going up. It definitely is only going up. But uh, I want to talk about Chuba Hubbard for a second. Sure. All right. I really got a problem with Chuba Hubbard because a couple of those passes that were missed that uh, go as incompletions for Baker Mayfield was on Chuba Hubbard. Now I know more than likely he's not going to be that guy out there. Uh, catching those passes. The very first one, he was wide open. There was no one around him. It was a beautiful pass, and he just dropped it. Now, you can blame it on the weather because they did have a lightning delay. A lot of that was going around the Carolinas uh, Friday night, and uh, they had a lightning delay, so it took them a while to get out there, and maybe there was a little bit of wetness going on, but you got to catch that ball. And the second time he dropped it, the reason why I want to bring this up is it was a Baker Mayfield pass that was precise and beautiful in between two defenders. And Steve Smith on the TV broadcast had was saying that not everybody can make that throw. He also said what I said, watching it on the couch, is that Christian McCaffrey would have caught that ball uh, because it was, it was in Chuba Hubbard's hands. And those are the things that I'm concerned about Chuba. He's not going to be the every down back, but he's going to get a lot of playing time. And when he's in there, he's got to catch the ball especially that wide open one. 
and maybe I cut him a little bit of slack on the other one. But what a beautiful ball by Baker Mayfield. And yeah, Christian would have caught that all day. Yeah, there were there was another pass out. Uh, it, it was, and I'm I'm trying I'm blanking on who it was to. It it may have been uh, it may oh, who was it? I want to say maybe it was Stephen Sullivan. I don't remember, but uh, Baker threw the ball. I mean, beautifully in a in a very tight window between two DBs, right into the shoulder pads of his of his receiver, and it went to the turf. I, I think you're. Baker Mayfield's passing numbers, 9 of 15. Honestly, Lonzo probably should have looked more like 13 for 15 for about a buck 10 instead of 9 of 15 for 89. But the good news is you now know that Baker Mayfield's got that ball in him, right? Like he's got that pass. He knows how to make that pass. And I'm I'm comfortable saying that I'm comfortable with, with what we saw out of Baker. Those numbers honestly could have been better. But but I agree with you. I mean, listen, Chuba Hubbard's gonna have a, a hefty role with this team, no doubt about it. Chuba Hubbard is gonna have a lot of pressure on him because A, you know, we we've talked about this quite a bit to the point that I kind of feel like we're beating a dead horse over it, but I, I don't think you can have McCaffrey take as much contact this year as you have in years past. It's going to really get under the skin of some fantasy football owners, but I think you got to kind of limit the touches. And that means I need to know that I can rely on Chuba Hubbard to step up in different spots and, and be able to be able to be trusted to catch balls out of the backfield. Go back and look at the play calling from last night. There was a lot of, straight up route running out of running backs. There was a lot of chip blocks, right? Like hit the defensive end, come off his, his outside shoulder, get out to the flats and be available. And while they may not have been used as much as you'd like, Chuba Hubbard did get six targets. He had three catches. Honestly, probably should have had five out of those six be complete. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think you're spot on. But this is more... I know Chuba Hubbard can be better than that. I know that he can play a bigger role. And if you are Ben McAdoo and Matt Rule, you got to hope that Chuba Hubbard can step up and answer that bell because it gives you options and it lets you take a little bit of the workload off of Christian McCaffrey. And, and I think I don't think I can understate how important it is to have the ability to use Christian McCaffrey as a decoy as much as you use him as an actual ball carrier, you know, we've mentioned it before. I want McCaffrey to be used for the Panthers this year because of the injury rate, the way that the saints used to use Reggie Bush, man, he might, might touch the ball three out of 10 plays that he's out there on the field, but you better have one of your better players on him. Even if he's not getting the rock, because if you don't and he does get it, he's a pay dirt threat every single time. But in order for that to happen, Lonzo, we've got to be able to trust Chuba Hubbard to make those plays. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we mentioned a minute ago there were three injuries that came out of this game that may have an impact on the Panthers moving forward. I will start 
with the one that is the best news, and that is Derek Brown. We saw Derek Brown go down. He had to be taken off the field, did not return with an oblique injury. Uh, the good news is, in Rappaport is now reporting that the injury is a minor strain and that Derek Brown should and most likely will be available for that week one game against the Browns. Derek Brown, especially, and again, Case Keenum, like we're, you know, that's, that's, that's not, uh, it's not top tier quarterbacking they're up against, but Derek Brown had some moments in especially red zone opportunities for the Bills where he was owning the offensive line of the Buffalo Bills. Again, twos and threes, but you got to say, you should as a starter be able to own twos and threes. That way we know you can compete with ones. Derek Brown was huge in certain spots for the Panthers in that game. And if this Panthers defense is going to be as good as we expect them to be, it's got to start up front. And D Brown is a big, important part of that. So very, very fortunate Lonzo that we're able to just chalk this one up to a minor oblique strain. And that DB is going to be back because that could have been a massive loss for the Panthers. Had that been a more serious injury. Oh, absolutely. And uh, Coach Rule said that Brown could have went back in if he needed to. He just kept him out, you know, just to make sure that he's all right and the fact that it was preseason. And the other thing is, yeah, the defense is going up against twos and threes, but a lot of those guys are going to be out there playing. And those guys are fighting for positions. Those guys are fighting for their jobs. They're out there doing their best. And the fact that the Panthers were able to pitch a shutout that's that's an awesome thing, and hopefully it's a sign to come when the ones are in there. Bigger injury, obviously, was the Sam Darnold injury. Sam Darnold twisted his ankle. I mean, actually, I shouldn't even say Sam Darnold twisted his ankle. He had a Buffalo player kind of come down on it awkwardly that, that caused it to turn on him. Ruled initially as a high ankle strain, not sprain. That is probably the best possible outcome given the circumstances and what that injury could have turned into. That being said, that potentially does. And we are waiting for more updates. Hopefully, when we record the next episode of this pod here in a handful of days, we will have a little bit better information for you. But as of right now, uh, this could sideline Sam Darnold. For more than a month, obviously, if that is the case, that means that P.J. Walker, as of right now, would likely go in as the backup. Remember, Matt Corral, he had the injury. Uh, Liz Frank, he had to be placed on season-ending injury re reserve. At the time, I said, while it is not certainly not good news that Matt Corral is hurt, putting him on the IR, being able to shelve him, allowing him to continue to show up, work out, watch game film, get himself up to NFL speed might not be the worst idea in the world because if Baker Mayfield comes up and lights the world on fire this year, there's no guarantee he re-ups with, with Carolina and giving Matt Corral a year to sit back and learn from Bake, learn from Sam, uh, learn how to be a backup from P.J. Walker on IL, that's that's fine. That's not, I mean, yes, you'd rather him be healthy and available for a situation exactly like this one because you're effectively now going to, unless you make a move, going to have to go into week one against the Browns 
with two quarterbacks on the roster, right? And, and maybe an emergency quarterback. I don't want to stick 22 back there as a wildcat because, you know, Bake has, something happens to Baker, something happens to PJ, and now we're effectively a wildcat team that can't throw the ball. But at the same time, you know, it, it, it gives it gives Corral the time to learn. P.J. Walker's done this. He's been here. He's been in the role where he's had to step up and play a starter role, play significant in-game snaps, et cetera. Look, I'm not saying that, oh, you know, if, 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 Baker's goes, if Baker goes down and P.J. steps in, we're just fine because it's still going to be a big ask. But uh, the good news here is that Darnold is not out for the season. You're likely going to have to go three, maybe four weeks without him, and then he'll be eligible to return. That being said, hey, offensive line, you better do your dadgum jobs and keep Baker upright because the liability just went up for this team losing Sam Darnold for a month. You know, the other thing about Sam Darnold, I mean, fans have a tendency to go, well, you know, he wasn't the starter anyway. It's, it's still, still a human being, man. I'm glad he's not hurt that bad, at least as far as we know, he's not hurt that bad because a high ankle sprain is one of the harder sp- – uh, sprains to come back from uh, just because it, it just is. And uh, a strain is something that maybe it won't take him four weeks to come back, but then you've got to try and decide you're right. If PJ Walker comes in, he's okay for a couple series. Sam Darnold would have been the better option for sure as the backup quarterback. But now what do you do now? What do you do there? There are, there are people out there on the internet clamoring for a certain guy to come back and I, uh, although I love that certain guy, his name is Cam Newton. I love that guy, but uh, I, I don't think you bring Cam Newton back now, uh, especially this early on or, or ever, as long as Baker Mayfield is there, because you're just going to cause a problem. You're going to cause um, division with the fans if Baker struggled at all, wanting Cam to come back in. I think that uh, that experiment is over. Love Cam, everything he was able to do for the Panthers when he was there. Uh, but it's uh, stop trying to bring him back in because that's not the move to make. No, I actually agree with you. I, I like Cam. Uh, in fact, you and I were on the air together last year when Cam got brought in because of the struggles of Sam Darnold and, and certainly the injury of Sam Darnold. And, and I was excited. I was pumped for Cam. And that first game back when he came out onto the field, the the, the crowd popped for him. I was excited about it, but I agree that 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 ship has sailed at this point. And on top of that, you know, first off, you are splitting the fan base. I agree. And you and I can say that definitively because last year when Cam came back, you know, we get our texts when we're doing the Rob Brown show in Greenville. And it was I mean, it was very polarizing, right? I'd say it was about 50 50 Panthers fans going, don't bring this guy back. And Panthers fans going, you know, not only should we bring him back, but we should give him the opportunity to to, to stay long term. We should sign him to a lifer contract. He's that dude. And, and and again, I'm with you. I I respect what he did. I appreciate what he did for the Panthers a number of years ago. But it's not the move you make. It's it's just not. And you certainly don't bring him on as a backup with Baker there, right? Because Baker's not looking over his shoulder at PJ Walker and going, all right, PJ might take this from me. He's not looking over his shoulder at Sam Darnold and thinking, okay, Sam could take this from me. But I absolutely think if you bring number one back and put him at number two on the depth chart, Baker Mayfield will be in a spot 
where he's going, all right, a lot of the fan base really likes this guy. Uh, this guy has kept himself in crazy good shape. This guy seems to be, from what we've been able to tell, dedicated and driven to, to rejuvenating his career, jump-starting his career, and giving more, one more run at this thing. You know, if I go out there and have a bad game or two, there's nothing saying the fans don't start screaming at Matt Rule to make Cam QB1, bumps me to QB2, and then you start seeing Baker play more conservatively. That's not his game, man. That's not what we want to see. I don't want conservative Baker. I want the Baker that takes chances. I want Baker that knows, as you pointed out that Steve Smith said, there's not a lot of guys that can make some of the throws that Baker Mayfield can make. I need Baker to have it in his head that I am that guy. I am that dude. I am going to make those throws. I'm going to take those risks because I'm Baker Mayfield, and that's what I do. And if he's got Cam Newton looking over his shoulder, I don't know that he can be that guy. I don't know that he will be that guy. And let me go ahead and nip this one in the bud as well. Jimmy Garoppolo, no, no, no. You are not paying $130 million to bring Jimmy G in, even as a backup, for the exact same reason, right? And, and maybe even more of a threat because Jimmy G has been to an NFC Championship game. Jimmy G has been to the verge of the promised land. He, is, he has gotten so close many times and never finished the job, but he has proven that he can get you there. You bring Jimmy Garoppolo in, who is cer certainly more pop culture right now than Cam Newton is, you bring that guy in, and absolutely, you're getting into the head of QB1 Baker Mayfield. So for the for the seven Carolina Panthers fans that I have seen on social media going, how about we make the move for Jimmy G, right? We've got options. Trade them Terrence Marshall Jr. Trade them a wide receiver. No, you are not paying a buck 30 mil to a backup quarterback who does actually legitimately threaten your starting quarterback, a starting quarterback that already uh, that already knows that, you know, this is a, this is a one-year experiment for him. I, I, neither one of those guys is the right answer here. The right answer here is you ride with P.J. Walker, a guy who's been there, a guy who's done it, a guy that you know is comfortable in the bank. You ride with P.J. You hope that nothing bad happens until Sammy D gets back and healthy. You plug him back into QB2, and you look Baker square in the eyes. You grab him by the face mask and go, this is your team. Your QB one, go out there and be a killer. Do you, number six, do you, and we're going to ride with you thick and thin. That way you turn Baker loose, Lonzo, and you don't have to worry about it. Yes, it's a roll of the dice that nothing happens to Baker, but it's the best gamble you got right now. And we haven't talked about the, the third person to be injured, possibly the most important of the three, and what a weird injury it was. And that's Zane Gonzalez gets hurt practicing on the sidelines. That net, man, that net, and that the you got to watch killer. out. You got to watch out. Hey, now, now, now you know why Odell Beckham Jr. tried to fight a net. The net's a killer. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Ask OBJ <laughs> knows about that. So, so Zane Gonzalez gets hurt warming up, and this is a guy. This is uh, someone the Panthers considered money. I, I mean, that's why they brought him in. He, he is a very good kicker, and you knew that it was just he's he's automatic within in a certain amount of yards, and him being injured, that's a that's a big concern. It really is. It has to be, right? I mean, he was the only place kicker 
on the depth chart. You brought in Johnny Hecker, obviously, to play the role of punter. That is a sincere commitment to special teams. Zane was the only guy. Uh, he got carted off. We are for we we are currently waiting uh, on the significance of the injury, but it was reported yesterday late evening that Gonzalez is expected to be placed on injured reserve with a quote significant groin injury. I've 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 watched the video a hundred times. It's just weird. He was he was doing a just a routine a routine field goal effort into the net. It doesn't now the field was wet, but it doesn't look like his foot slid out from under him. It didn't look like anything went wrong. He kind of did the follow through on a field goal kick. And then he just crumpled to the ground, like all by himself, crumpled to the ground. That is, that is bad news. I went and I looked up the free agents uh, at the kicking position right now. And there's really not a lot available. There's, there's really not. You're basically at this point just going to be trying to find somebody. I mean, just a kicker. But that's bad news because Carolina has had problems at the kicker position in the past. You thought you finally had your dude in Zane that you could trust. Now he's unavailable. Maybe for the season we'll find out the status of that injury. And again, hopefully have that for you before the next edition of Views from Mint Street. But you, you effectively got to go to the waiver wire right now and just find the most experienced dude out there and hope that it works out for you. This is the listen, jokes aside, this actually might be more significant of an injury than Sam Darnold's when it's all said and done. Yeah. And the thing is, you can find a kicker, you can, because you get through like the first game or two, and then people are cutting kickers right and left. But there's a reason why they're cutting them right and left. Those are guys you really don't want on your team because you can't depend on them. There's a reason why they just got cut. And Gonzalez was brought in to be that guy and with with no doubt that he was going to be good for the entire season. And already, and you know, then that brings up, you know, why is he kicking in the preseason? You know, but you get hurt in the in the regular season just as much as you do in the preseason. He needed to be out there. But the, he wasn't out there when he got hurt. He got hurt on the sideline. Yeah, that's rough. That's rough. All right, so we'll keep an eye on that. And again, when the next episode of Views for Mint Street drops here in just a couple of days, we will hopefully have further evaluation on Zane Gonzalez's injury. Again, if you missed it earlier in the pod, I don't know why you would just tune into this part of it. Uh, that's the old radio guy, me. Derek Brown's oblique injury has been described as a mild oblique injury and he should be available for week one. Sam Darnold's ankle injury was a mild strain, not sprain, a high ankle strain, but it will still likely keep him out for at least a month, maybe a week or two longer. We will keep an eye on all of those injuries as we move forward and closer to week one, game number one, just a handful of days away. All right, so let's call out a couple of individual players that stood out to us in that 21 nothing win over Buffalo. And I am going to I'm I hope I'm go I don't pull an oblique patting us on the back here Lonzo because there was one guy, a former South Carolina Gamecock that we both sang the praises of back in our last podcast. This guy in Shy Smith is a dude that both of us thought had a really good camp, 
has an opportunity to step up here, uh, especially in a situation in this game where Brandon Zilstra wasn't available. Shy Smith has contributed more this offseason than Terrence Marshall Jr. has. Shy Smith has an opportunity to step in and do something special here. And all he did was catch three of four for 32 yards and a TD, which, by the way, was an adjusted route TD. If you go look at that route, Shy Smith was kind of cut into the outside, recognized that there was a quarterback protecting the pylon. So he kind of snapped it back to the inside. Baker made an excellent read of Shy Smith and then put it right on the numbers, and Shy took it to Paydirt. I'm telling you right now, and Matt Rule had some really complimentary things to say about Shy Smith, but Shy Smith absolutely stood out in this game as far as I'm concerned. And I'm calling the shot now. If we get to week three or week four and you don't see Marshall on the field as much as we projected that we might when he got drafted, it will be because Shy Smith has morphed into a dude. This dude has made effort after effort. He has filled the role they have asked him to roll uh, the role with exceptionally well. I enjoyed watching Shy Smith play, and I would not be surprised if about week six, week seven, there's a rush of folks trying to get Shy Smith on the fantasy team because he's playing that slot receiver role and doing it well. All right, here's my main concern with Shy Smith: is he's shining too early, man? He's shining way too early. You know, when when DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson are out there, and then he's out there with them. He's going to be the guy that maybe they forget about. So it's, I, I mean, it, I hate to say it, but maybe he's shining way too early. Maybe, uh, you know, the teams around the league are going, huh, look at that guy right there. We're going to have to pay attention to that guy when maybe if he didn't shine so quickly, he'd get away with some stuff the first few weeks. But now I, looking at what he's able to do, they're going to have to pay attention to him. So you got you got the two, you got Robbie Anderson, you got DJ Moore, you got Shy Smith out there, and you have Christian McCaffrey coming out of the backfield. It's a lot to cover, man. Oh yeah, hundred percent. No, I, I I agree with that, but I'm actually okay with it. And the reason I'm okay with it is Shy Smith is 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 starting to shine. You're absolutely right. Good news is if I got Anderson and Moore on the outside, and I'm lining up Shy in the slot, and oh by the way. You're also going to get Brandon Zilstra back, who has been remarkably consistent as a pass catcher. You can go four wide, and any one of those four has a real threat to catch the ball. You're going to force defenses, to be honest, to be balanced and to cover the entire field, which should theoretically open the field up that much more for Baker Mayfield. I absolutely have no problem with Shai Smith stepping up and stepping out right now because I think that it is going to take attention away from the guys who are supposed to be superstars. And, and, and I think that'll work out. Uh, but we also got Tommy Tremble available. Three snags out of Tremble, 23 yards, targeted four times, caught three of them. In fact, I was uh, I was watching before this lab, before we went live here a few minutes ago recording this podcast. There was a play. It was a Baker dropped in the pocket, was getting pressure from the backside, rolled out to the right. And Tommy Tremble recognized where the softness and coverage was, sat down. Bake hit him down the right sideline, which was all of that was already great. Tommy turned around, ran through a linebacker, ran through a cornerback, and it took four Buffalo Bills to get him to the ground. Tommy Tremble, in my opinion, is probably going to be utilized very heavily, especially in red zone yardage situations. 
because it's very hard to cover that dude without being exceptionally physical. And I know Panthers fans know this already, but when you line up shy on one side, tremble on the other with more and Anderson in a red zone formation or, or Zilstra on the other with a red zone formation, Tommy tremble becomes a big time wide receiver threat in the red zone, especially considering he can block off the edge as well. Uh, those two dudes, Shy Smith, Tommy Tremble, I think both of them, there's a very good chance we're talking about them a lot when we get to the regular season. You know, they talk about an embarrassment of riches. Carolina Panthers actually have that, and they're flying under the radar with the projections to be, what, next to last in the NFC South. They're going to come out and surprise a lot of people with all those guys that you're talking about and with precise passing for Baker Mayfield. Not to mention a pretty good running game. Oh, 100%. 100%. Speaking of the running game, the, the only spot that I really wanted to circle as, all right, I saw this and I think it does need to improve a little bit. I thought the offensive line was was really good in this game between the 20s. Uh, red zone blocking, especially in the run game, I think left a little bit to be desired here. Uh, obviously, you know, you, you got Christensen at left guard and Icky at the left tackle spot. That is solidified. We know what the offensive line is. The first red, not the first possession, the, the three and out, but the first red zone possession after that, that led to Baker's first two-yard touchdown pass. The red zone blocking on the left side, I, I, I thought it left a little bit to be desired. I thought that there was a couple of spots where D linemen were, were blowing that side of the field up. I cannot be in a situation where if I'm Matt Rule, when we get down here, I'm afraid to run the ball. That offensive line's got the potential to be good. It's, 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 it, again, I've said it's an average offensive line with the potential to be above average, but I, I, I hope we get to a point that we know that we can trust the offensive line to block better in the red zone. But that's really the only complaint that I had about the offensive line was when the Panthers tried to stuff it in from two or three yards out they very frequently were met with stiff resistance from Buffalo's backup defensive line. I need the offensive line to own the red zone line of scrimmage. That is one area of concern that I saw in this preseason game. All right. One thing about offensive line, though, it's it's cohesiveness. It's, it's knowing what the guy next to you is going to do. This starting lineup has just been named. So these guys need to have some time playing next to each other. Yeah, you get the preseason game, and you got a couple weeks before the very first game, so you're going to be able to practice each day with the guy next to you, and I think that's going to help a bunch. I see your concerns, uh, but the number one running back wasn't in there. There's some other threats that aren't in there that would help uh, help the line not have to focus on some things they were focusing on. I think most of it is just getting comfortable with the guy next to you. Yeah, no, I listen, I, I I agree entirely, right? It's it's one thing to play OL, it's another thing to trust the guy next to you implicitly and and recognize that you can fire off and do your job and not worry about is somebody gonna cover up the gap because you know that guy. And, and and again, Icky's playing left tackle. He just got named the starter. It's preseason game number three for him. Christensen played the tackle last year. He's now playing a guard. It is technically a new position for him. I, I, have, I absolutely believe this team is going to solidify and get better as we move forward across the offensive line. But I, I, I do think that it needs to be highlighted. I do think that it needs to be highlighted that the red zone blocking, the, there's, there's just questions about it. And we'll keep an eye on it. We'll keep an eye on it. Uh, I do want to give credit here. I thought the play calling 
by Ben McAdoo and Matt Rule. I thought the play calling offensively uh, was frankly exceptional. I, 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 I like that they stuck to the run in the red zone. I like that not only did they open Baker up to the rest of the field, but they also were doing a lot of offensive line pass block shifting. They were allowing Baker to get out to his left, get out to his right, extend the field horizontally to take the defense with him in either direction. Uh, I, I was I was very impressed. I understand, and we've talked about this a number of times, that Ben, ben McAdoo's record as a head coach is not all that impressive. But Ben McAdoo as an offensive coordinator's history has been really, really good. And I think you really started to get, I think they were a little conservative in the first two games, especially that Patriots game a week and a half ago. But I think the play calling last night showed you that Ben McAdoo understands the strengths and weaknesses of this Carolina offense. I thought the play calling offensively in this game was exceptional. Yeah, the the, the first series aside, because the first series was, I think, basically a three and out. But then after that, everything – and I think part of that was due to drop passes and a few things like that, a little bit of jitters. Uh, But after that, everything seemed to flow. And and that's the thing. There was a flow to it. There was no stagnating. There was no, oh, they're doing that way too much. There's a little bit of something different in almost every single play. And I think that's what you got to do, especially in today's NFL. No, I agreed entirely. I thought the play calling was great. I thought it was consistent. I, I agree with you. I think it had a rhythm to it. I think it had a routine to it. And I, 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 again, Ben McAdoo took a lot of heat because of his lack of success when he got his opportunity as a head coach. But he has shown repeatedly that as a coordinator, the guy gets it. And I think on top of that, you saw that Matt Rule just kind of let him go, right? Like, I think Matt Rule is at a spot where he 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 trusts Ben McAdoo to make the right calls. I think he trusts the offense to execute those calls. It's not micromanaging. And, you know, a lot of head coaches, they get onto a hot seat. And you can tell me he's not, but absolutely, I think Matt Rule's got to be considered on the hot seat. A lot of coaches get to the spot where they're in the hot seat and they start to micromanage. They start to overmanage. They, they, they stop trusting football guys to do football things. I don't think that Matt Rule did that here. I think that Matt Rule, so far through three preseason games, is letting his offense work. Now, if they get out there in week one, two, three, and it feels like they're kind of up against it, things aren't flowing well, then maybe he steps in and changes that. But I think I think he did a great job of not overmanaging. Uh, speaking of uh, helmet stickers, the defensive line for the Panthers, we mentioned Derek Brown earlier. But the defensive line as a whole in this game, I thought was exceptional. I mean, how many times did we see Case Keenum drop back, do a play action, turn to look up the field, and there's three Panthers defensive linemen in his in his face. We talked about the offensive line needing to get better across the red zone. The defensive line for the Panthers, I thought, led by Derek Brown, was very good. They never let Case Keenum get comfortable. They never let a Buffalo Bills offense that, again, the backups, but certainly is a well-run and well-executed offense. I don't think Case Keenum ever really got comfortable in the pocket at any point last night. They were blowing up the Buffalo offensive line, and I think they deserve a ton of credit. The defensive line was exceptional in that game. Absolutely. A little bit later on in the game, when you get some backups in, they were starting to uh, be a little susceptible to the run, which was a concern for the Panthers last year. So I'm a little bit cautious about that, a little concerned. Uh, You shore that up a little bit better. Man, I want to see some shutouts. And – uh, there's something about being on defense and getting that feel of a shutout. And those guys, you, you saw they were running around having a blast. And I look forward to seeing that happen some uh, in the regular season. 100%. Uh, they, 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 you're exactly right. They were flying around the field. 
they were owning the offensive line of scrimmage, especially on, especially on, on pass pro, right? When they were able to read. Now, I would caution, don't get crazy over aggressive because there's a lot of teams, especially in the NFC South between Tampa and New Orleans, that are really good at draws, really good at slip screens, really good at play action. And if you get to the point that you are overzealous in blowing up offensive lines, you can get in trouble with guys like Kamara. But, uh, you know, what I saw out of this defensive line was a team, it was a, was a, was a group that was getting after it, was getting after the quarterback, was getting after Case Keenum, was forcing him to roll the pocket left and right, was not giving you time to run the play action because by the time that you fake the handoff and turn your helmet back upfield, all you saw was a wall of white coming at you. And I was, I was, I was very happy. I was very pleased with that uh, top to bottom. So, all right, yeah. Rob, I, I just, I got to interrupt you here. Yeah. Far um, away. So, you're going to find out in this podcast eventually that I don't like Tom Brady. Uh, we haven't, <laughs> we haven't, we haven't expressed this yet, but I got, I got to say, I don't like Tom Brady. Would you say Case Keenum is more mobile than Tom Brady? I would say, okay, you don't have to say it. I will say it. Case Keenum is more mobile than Tom Brady. And Case Keenum was struggling with that defense in the backfield. I am looking forward to Mr. Tom Brady eating some turf all year long when he plays the Carolina Panthers. It'll be interesting. Tampa's offensive line is in shambles right now, right? I mean, they I think across there's what was projected to be the starting five, four of them are out with an injury. So I think there's a there's a real possibility if this defensive line remains that aggressive if this defensive line uh, is able to do to a Tampa offensive line that is, again, decimated by injuries right now, it could be very interesting. we got the Browns week one at the Giants week two. That's another one that, that this defensive line could change. The Saints come calling September 25th. Cardinals, Niners, Rams, and then October 23rd, Tom Brady comes to the bank for the first time, and we're going to be breaking all of those games down. For those of you that have not, followed up with the way this is going to work next week, week after that two podcasts a week. And then week one, when the NFL season gets rolling, we will be bringing you this podcast three times a week. We'll do a game preview, a game review and a midweek pod where we will break down everything going on that week. And should we get breaking news throughout the week, we'll pop up and do emergency pods for you as well. So make sure if you haven't already done it, that you like and subscribe to Views from Mitch Street wherever major podcasts are found. Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes. And if you've got Carolina Panthers fans in your life that share your passion, make sure you send this podcast to them as well. We are looking forward to this thing growing and getting better week by week. Lonzo, any parting words before we call it a day? We're just a couple weeks. I can't wait. We're almost there. We're almost there. You're exactly right, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Lonzo on Word, at Lonzo on Word, because we'll both be watching every Panthers game and live tweeting through them. You can follow me on Twitter as well at the Rob Brown Show, at the Rob Brown Show. And if you're an overall sports fan, make sure you log on to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the fan upstate or go to YouTube and search and subscribe to the Rob Brown show. Lonzo and I nine to noon every weekday live stream all three hours of our sports talk radio show. Talk a lot of Panther football, but we get into everything else as well. So we hope that you'll join us there for Lonzo. Right. So my name is Rob Brown. 
Remember, like, subscribe, and share this podcast. We sincerely appreciate it. We'll see you in just a couple of days for the next episode of Views from Mint Street. Keep pounding, baby.